Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well and this message stirs your faith, falls on good ground and produces good fruit in your life. Um, so today we are at part 33 of the Trigger War series and um, we are talking about battle cries. And before I get it started, let me say a quick prayer and we're going to get into this thing. Spirit of the living God, we come to you right now. We just want to say thank you for allowing this opportunity for my brothers and my sisters to hear and receive a word from you, God. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. You know what each person is going through. Father God, so I pray that you saturate their hearts and their minds with ease, with peace, knowing that you are taking care of everything. While they're trying to figure it out, God, you already have it worked out. And so, God, we make you bigger than our problems, bigger than our fears, bigger than any anxieties or cares, worries, or concerns that anybody may be facing today. Even if there's health issues, God, we lay it at your feet, God, and we say, in the name of Jesus, release your supernatural healing. Thank you, God, for working it all out for our good. We give you glory, honor, and praise. We keep none for ourselves, and I pray that this message falls on good ground and produces good fruit in the hearts and lives of your children so that they may go out and be agents of revival, agents of change in the world, God. And so just continue to do what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So today's message about battle cries actually came from, um, if you guys have been following the podcast for the last couple of episodes, then you probably might be lost <laughs> a little bit today because um, I'm not going to give a backstory of what I went through last week during my week of hiatus. Um, but I am piggybacking off of the messages I've already released about that. And so Battle Cries um, ties into the story of what I went through. I tell you, man, it, it, even though I was going through health issues and I couldn't really talk because it affected my vocal cords. I'm so grateful that God gives us a mind to think. So I may not have been able to say things, but my mind was still going and still thinking and still reflecting. And so therefore still growing and learning. And I remember while I was sitting, um, sitting down and just trying to, you know, wrap my mind around like, God, how this just took me for a loop. Like I wasn't expecting to experience this warfare at this time. And most of us don't. Like, honestly, it's not like the devil checks in with you and says, hey, hey, Susie Lee. Hey, hey, Billy Bob. Hey, whatever your name is. Do you feel like an attack today? <laughs> Do you feel like being uh, being accused of something today? Do you feel like going through some warfare today? You know, let me know. Does it work? What time works for you? One o'clock, two o'clock, five o'clock, about 7 a.m. Did that work for you? We wish the devil would work that way because then we would schedule him accordingly when we know we got the, enough strength in our bodies and we ain't got nothing going on. So we could just really focus on dealing with the attack that day. But that ain't how the devil works. 
The devil don't check in with us to see, is it okay to test us? He checks in with God. And then God allows and says, yes, it's okay to test them. Or no, not right now, not at the time. But you could try and test them on whatever that area is later. And so, um, and so I wasn't expecting the attack to come in the way that it did, um, of the, you know, the allergic reaction, but, um, it wasn't no surprise to God. God, God already knew it, it was already written in my book of life that heaven has that said, okay, at this day and time, she's going to go through this attack, but I'm still going to be with her there. I'm going to still get her through that process. And sure enough, that's exactly what God did. He got me through that process. Um, but while I was facing it, uh, I was crying inside, you know, there was a bit, a part of me that felt like just frustrated in the battle frustrated that this came frustrated that I couldn't make the moves I wanted to make frustrated that it even um that the attack was even so um so severe to cause a downfall for the entire week like oh my god this one little thing turned into a domino effect of a bunch of other things so it was just like wow god this really is setting me back it's really interfering with my plan but god had to remind me it ain't interfering with mine I, it's it's a part of the plan. It's a part of the assignment. And so I was like, wow, God, okay. And so as I was focusing and thinking about why would God allow a battle to come when we least expect it, when we're not ready for it? And, you know, of course, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, where it says, my grace is sufficient for my power is best in weakness. Because just like Paul at that time, I had a thorn in my side, so to speak, of this Ill illness, this, this allergic reaction that kind of came suddenly and, and attacked my vocal cords. And I'm sitting here like, God, I'm feeling weak in this moment. And why did this happen? And this, that, and the other. And, and, and I can't believe it was so severe that it happened um, all from a little oopsie mistake. And God said, my grace is sufficient for my power works best in weakness. So here you are crying about the battle being too strong or why the battle come. But I already have the victory. I've already given you the victory. And so I know that this is not going to stop you. I know this is not going to deter you. Hello, somebody. I'm preaching about it and you're listening. Okay. Some of you out there are going through something in your life where you feel like this attack came out of nowhere. I'm crying in this battle because it came out of nowhere. I wasn't even looking for this attack to come. I was just walking around, moseying around, minding my own business, trying to stay focused on what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, the enemy came and slithered in like a little snake that I didn't even see in the grass and then came up and nicked me. And I'm sitting trying to figure out why is it suddenly happening? And so why are you thinking that it's unplanned because it wasn't according to your timeline? God said it was planned all along. I knew what I was doing. And I already knew that this, though it's assigned to your life at this time, I already have declared you will have victory. I already have told you in Revelation 12 verse 11 that you are overcome. That means you already have victory over the enemy because my son Jesus gave his life for you. And you will have a story to tell in this process. So we have to understand that the tech may come out of nowhere. It may be all willy nilly in our lives. And it just seems like what the heck? But we have to trust that God has a plan for all. He says in Romans 8 that he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. 
We all have a purpose to fulfill in the earth. This is why the devil sends his warfare. He don't want you to fulfill your purpose. And he definitely don't want you to get into heaven. Hello, somebody. He's still pissed that he got thrown out of heaven. So if he can attack you, if he can cause you to get out of alignment, if he can cause God to take his hand of grace off of your life, if he can cause God to remove his hand and you may say, well, how can the devil cause God to do this? Well, I, I taught on yesterday and the day before yesterday about Samson, when you keep, um, entertaining things that you're craving, when you keep going, um, going after things that God continues to send you red, red flags that says that's not for you. You don't want that. Don't touch that. That the stove is hot. Don't touch it. But you keep wanting to touch the stove. God says, okay, well then I'm going to remove my hand from you. I'm going to uh, release you to do your own life your way. Since you think you know best. It doesn't mean that God has taken his eye completely off you. It just means that his hand of protection is off of your life because you want to keep doing it your way. That's what it means. And so that's what the enemy wants to happen in your life. He wants to get you out of alignment with God so that you can become uncovered by God. He wants you to continue to go in a vanity way, in a prideful way to say, I got this, God. I don't need you. I, I know what's happening. I, don't, I can handle this battle by myself. I'm strong enough. I'm bold enough. I'm powerful enough. And God says, baby, you ain't got that much power, that much strength, that much body weight in the world to handle this battle, this warfare. So that's why you got to come to me. It ain't personal. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual warfare, baby, that you ain't never even seen in your life before. So though it's hitting you on a personal level, hello, somebody. It's a spiritual attack. Because the enemy does not want you to get free. He don't want you to get into heaven. He don't want you to get the blessings that God has for your life. But God declared to me, he's decreeing, crying out to you. I've already given you the victory. All you have to do is stand. Stand firm in faith. Stand firm in the belief and, and the trust and the promise that God got your back. He got angels already jumping up in this thing. So why are you trying to figure out the strategy and the, the battle strategy on how to defeat your enemy? God said, baby, I already got angels in, in the heavenly places and already warring on your behalf. I've already sent the answer your way. I've already um, sent the, 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 the attack. I already curved it. I've, I've already got it figured out. I already got it worked out for you. We just have to learn to trust in the father. And so I talked about yesterday about, um, in numbers 14 about the children of Israel and how, when they were faced with the battle, you know, it, it didn't look like a battle, but it really was a battle that they were going to be faced with of going, you know, do you receive the promise that God has for you and move into the territory that he has already destined and promised for you? Or do you believe that the battle is too strong? The battle is too fierce. The battle is too powerful. The, the enemy is just too tall. It's, it's too many giants to face. The mountain's too big for me to tackle. So I'm going to quiver in fear. God says, no, I need you to hear ye, hear ye the battle cry that I'm telling you to stand up and fight the good fight of faith because I got your back and I've already sent angels to jump up in that thing. You don't have to worry about how it's going to work out. You don't have to worry about, well, God, I don't feel strong right now. 
You got to understand that God has already sent the answer your way. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not physical of flesh and blood, of blood, excuse me, but they are weapons of divine power for the destruction of fortresses. That means, that's 2 Corinthians 10, by the way, verse 4. That means that God gives you war, uh, gives you the the weapons of warfare to defeat the enemy. And you may say, well, how do I do that? Well, the first thing you do is stand. Stand firm in faith. Trusting that God got your back. The second thing is to rally the battle cry in you. And what I mean by that is when the enemy comes to attack you, it's, it's like taking your voice away. What I went through physically is, is how some of you are in the spirit realm. Your voice is taken away. Your voice has been snatched away by the enemy. And you don't know how to, you don't even know how to stand, how to cry, how to even cry out to God with a voice of triumph or, the vo or with a voice of sorrow of Jesus help me. You don't even know how to call out the name of Jesus because the enemy has snatched your, vo your words so much and says, shut up. Be quiet. Don't even ask God for help. Don't even mention God's name because you went through this. He ain't going to be there for you. So just hush that noise. The, the problem's too big for God. Don't even bother God with that. Or for some of you, the problem may be too small. And you still saying, I'm not going to bother with God. I'm not going to bother God with that problem. But God says, that's the problem. <laughs> you won't bother me. I want to be bothered. I want to be your heavenly father. I want to be your good shepherd. I want to be your security guard. I want to jump up in that thing. But you send it in pride thing and you got it. So God waits for you to decide when you get to the end of you so that he can start. But we all have to go through that process. And so just like in Numbers 14, if you join me, I'll read the scripture of, um, you know, piggyback off of yesterday's Numbers 13. We talked about how. The Lord told Moses to send out 12 spies to scout out the land. That meant to get the strategy you need, but also to see how abundant the land is that God had promised them. Unfortunately, 10 came back and said, ain't no way in heaven or hell we can go in and take this land. There were only two, Joshua and Caleb, that said, no, nah, Sway, no, nah, we got this. God got our back. We could jump up in this thing. We could fight this battle. What you talking about? We got this. Let's let's go. Let's get it. We 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 buck and we nook if we buck, right? We got this. Let's go. But it was the 10 that went and swayed the rest of the Israelites and turned their heart against God's promise. They didn't believe that the battle could be won. And so they cry out to God saying, there's no way we're, we're too weak. The battle's too big and, and, and the enemy's too powerful. And, and they basically made the problem, the enemy bigger than God, even though God has shown them time and time again, I've worked so many miracles out in your life. Do you really have the audacity to think that God can't work another miracle that God has a, a limit on how many miracles he got in his bag for you? So he says, up oh, like human beings, wait a minute now. I done did that for you before. And the, and the last time before that, and the last time before that, you, your time is up now. I, I'm sorry. The, the, the mailbox is closed. God, uh-uh, his voicemail never gets full, okay? <laughs> God always is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. But the end of that scripture says, according to the power working in you. Where's your power? Have you allowed the enemy to take your power away? Have you allowed the enemy to take your battle cry away because the problem just seems so big? 
because uh, the, the doctor's report wasn't so favorable. Because you've been struggling to get free from this addiction or this thing or this person and it hasn't, you know, freed up yet. So have you really been standing there saying that, no, this is just too big for God. God, God can't work this out. God says, yes, I can. But it's according to the faith, which is the power working in you. How big is your faith? Get your faith up in this season. Don't let the enemy keep, because the enemy will lie to you, baby, and tell you all day long. He will kick you out of like, like I said, he don't check in with you to see, is it okay to, to do it right now? Is it okay to touch your faith right now? Is it okay to send a negative thought your way right now? Is it okay to send a doubt your way of God going to do it right now? No, he don't do that. He just sent it. But you have to um, have a relationship with God being able to. Go to the Father for yourself to say, God, what is your truth? What is your promises? What is your word? And then also go to the word of God, the Bible, to read God's promises and say, uh-uh, no, I'm sorry. God's promises in his word, in His Bible says yes and amen. God, prom- God says his word when I return to him void. God says in his word that every good thing comes from him. So if the enemy trying to make me think that God won't do a good thing for me, I know that's a lie. I don't got to receive that from the pit of hell because God's word promises that he will do a good thing in my life. God's word promises in Joel too, that he's a Lord that restores. So I don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy that says, ain't no way God going to get you out of debt. Ain't no way God going to get you out of poverty. Ain't no way God going to allow you to buy a new car. Ain't no way God going to allow you to buy a new house. Ain't no way you can't even afford that property. What you looking in it for? God, uh-uh. God says, I want to do exceedingly abundantly. Don't listen to the enemy that says you can't afford it. What does God say? He says, you are joint heir with Christ Jesus. That means you're a king's child. And as a king's child, that means you have a king's inheritance. You have a royal inheritance. God's bank account is way bigger than human bank account. Hello, somebody. And so go with me. Uh, into numbers 14 i want to give you guys the rest of this message that i didn't get to finish yesterday i'm reading from the new living translation and so it reads then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against moses and aaron if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let us choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Let me pause for a second, y'all, to tell you how sad, how sadly significant their thinking was. You would rather go back and be a slave. Not an indentured servant, a slave where you were subject to beating where you were subject to brutal, um, brutal force, where you were subject to rape and molestation, where you were subject to your children being killed, where you were subject to being robbed, 
where you were subject to being killed yourself, where you were subject to starvation, if the Egyptians wanted to, you would rather go back to that because you didn't view your season right. Ooh. So many times we don't view our seasons right. See, you a lot of times people when they in a bad storm or a bad season, they look back and on their life and like, ooh, you know, I want to get that back because that seemed good. Or or let's put it in context that most of us have experienced a relationship. You you um single for a little while. Uh-huh. Cause some of y'all think it's a long time. <laughs> and I had this conversation with somebody recently where it even helped me put into perspective because I was like, ooh, I've been single for five and a half years. It's been a long time. And this person said, a long time, baby. Try 30 years. <laughs> I said, ooh, that's a long, long time, okay? <laughs> so it, you ain't seeing it right. But many people be like, ooh, I want that old thing back. And so you go to that old thing or that old thing pop up. And you entertain that old thing because you don't like being single, not even realizing that that old thing was giving you grief the last time you was with it. That old thing was burning you, baby. That old thing was hot in fish grease. <laughs> that old thing, and I don't mean hot in terms of sexy. I mean hot in terms of just bad for you, okay? Don't put your hand in no fish grease. That that old thing was was just not the one. They, they got you all kinds of headache, all kinds of grief, all kinds of misery, cheated on you, abused you, took your money, you know, whatever, took your credit, whatever. That old thing was just not good for you at all. Not even good for your mental state because you ain't never had peace with that last person. But because you in a season of singleness where God is trying to do something in you to produce out of you. You like, mm, I think I'm going to go back to that old thing. Because that, I mean, it, that old thing. Well, I remember when they used to say this nice thing about me. And I remember the dates we used to take. And I remember the trips we used to travel on. And I remember they smile. And I remember how good that thing felt when we was doing the thing, doing the thing, doing the thing, filling the blank, y'all. <laughs> and so, but you seeing that thing wrong. Because you focusing on just the good stuff, missing the bad stuff. What about that time when it knocked you upside your head? What about that time when she walked out and cheated on you with your best friend? What about that time when they stole your credit? What about that time when they had you robbed? What about that, what about that time when they just uh, said something really mean and nasty to hurt your feelings? What about that time? Over and on, over. There's many a times while you're sitting there reminiscing on the good, thinking that, well, it was at least better than this. You forgetting all the bad. That happened. And so, and you don't even realize how, while you sitting there complaining for this example about being single, how God has done so many great, great things in your life during your singlehood. So don't go backwards. But sadly, this is what these children of Israel are doing. They want to go backwards. They like, no, I, I'm, we, it, it seemed like it was better when we was in Egypt. Forgetting all about the abuse, the hardship that they endured in Egypt. Forgetting about how the Egyptians killed their children. If you go read it, Moses survived because of God's blessing and anointing over his life. But at the time, 
the only reason why Moses became adopted by the princess of Egypt was because the Pharaoh decreed that all the Israelite children under the age of two be killed. And Moses' mama had enough wisdom to say, I, I would rather chance it that God would direct this path of my child somewhere else. There's something special about my child. I can't kill this child. So I'm going to put this child in the Nile River. And pray that my child reaches somebody who can get him a better home. Than to just end this thing because this Pharaoh decreed it. But so many Israelite women lost their kids. And men lost their kids. Because Pharaoh killed them all. You forgot how bad it was back then. It's the reason why God transitioned you out of that season. Out of that situation. Out of that experience. Out of even that job. Some of you may be moving into new territories, into new homes, whatever, but maybe the process of moving has been a little bit difficult. And so you're like, dang, I, I guess I just go back to this. No, it's the reason why God is closing the door you've been in and shifting you to another location. Either something's about to happen there that you're not going to be prepared for, or God says, you, your season is up here. Don't go back because you're like, well, I remember when it was, yeah, but see it the right way. It wasn't all good. It was a lot of bad there too. And these uh, children aren't even realizing it. And so continuing. Um, I want to drop down to the 10th verse. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Now these are the two men out of the 12 spies. These are the only two that came back to say, we can take the land. Y'all just believe God wouldn't have brought us this far to leave us. He promised us this land. That's why he had us go spy it out so that we can put together strategy on how to defeat the people in the land, how to conquer people in the land and get them out. God promised this to us. Joshua and Caleb are the only two that's saying, let's go. And so the people are pissed and like, let's just kill these fools. Cause I don't want to hear them trying to rally up a battle cry. I don't, I don't want to hear them talking about the process of God. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't. Mm -mm. And this is the, why you have to be careful. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Be careful of who you are surrounded by and who you got speaking into your life. Because the wrong people will speak death over your situation when God's trying to speak life. Here, God, through Joshua and Caleb, was trying to speak life into this situation to say, it's yours. Just go forward. It's yours. See the battle the right way, knowing that God will give you victory. But they couldn't see it the way that, that God was showing it to them. They, Even though God brought them that far and God, during the process of taking them out of Egypt, go read Exodus and Leviticus, um, but more so Exodus, God did so many amazing miracles. And yet, you get to numbers, you, you get to a little later on in the process, and and you you still complaining. It was only supposed to be an 11-day journey. For them to get to their promised land. But they complained the entire way and sinned against God over and over again. So much so that as we'll read in this message, he basically says, forget it. I will not allow you to enter into my promised land. I'm going to save it for your children because my word won't return to me void. I promised it to you, but it ain't going to be for you. I'm going to let your generation die out because of your arrogance and your ignorance. But I'm going to allow your children to inherit what you would not inherit. And so verse, um, 
continuing in verse 10, then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with the plague. Then I will make you into a great nation and mightier than they are. Now, Moses um, intercedes on behalf of them. And says, like, Lord, please, you know, continue reading the scripture, the scripture text. You know, basically Moses begs, on, you know, for mercy from God, you know, to not do that. And so um, here's the Lord's judgment dropping down to the 20th verse. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter into that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miracles, miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. And Josh was also added into this as well. But. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Um, and so. I'm going to stop right there. Actually. You know what? No, let me let me drop down a little bit more. I want to read you guys the con the kind of conclusion of this particular scene. Um, go down to the 26, 26 verse. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this as surely as I live, declare the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land. I swore to give you the only exceptions will be Caleb son of Je Jeff Jephuna. I hope I'm saying that right. Jeff Jephuna and Joshua son of none. You said your children will be carried off as plunder. Well, I bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me as an enemy. For I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will destroy, they will be destroyed here in this wilderness and here they will die. Baby, let me tell you something if you ain't caught on yet. Get in line. <laughs> 
Hear ye, hear ye. Get in line for the battle. God has promises for us all. There's a collective promise as, a, as, as children, as the church, but there's also individual promises for each and every one of us that God has in store for us because it's tied to our purpose and our destinies and our generations that will come after us in the earth. Get in alignment with God. Don't go against God. Don't see and listen to the enemy's lies that says this battle is too big. Don't cry out to God. With sorrow saying, woe is me, God, you, you can't handle this. Cry out with a voice of triumph that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the cho- nor their children begging for bread. And so, God, my family has served you. There were some prayers that my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grands prayed to you, Jesus. So I'm trusting and believing that I will see it come to pass. I know I may be in a tough season right now. I know I may be dealing with some issues right now. I know the doctor's report may, the doctor's report may not have came back in the, in the favorable way that I wanted it to, to God, but I'm trusting that you're going to bring me victory. Hear my battle cry, God, that I'm not going to let this problem be bigger than you. I'm going to let you be bigger than my problem. And so personal um, backstory, I had to do the same thing. I had to choose to not look at my situation as defeating, even though this uh, problem was taking place, even though I was having a hard time talking for a little a couple days. And I had to go through the process uh, as my body healed and take the medication and whatnot. I had to continue to combat the enemy's lies that said, here we go again. Here come another health problem. See, you thought God healed your body. Here you go again. I, I, I had to trust and believe that God's word still stood, that his word would not return to him void, that God was still doing miracles in my life, that I would still see the promises of God over my life, that I would still see better on the other side of this. I had to stand firm and let my battle cry be that God, I have the victory because you gave it to me. You promised it to me. Heck, I had to even be cheeky and say, you know what? Hold on. Devil, you lying. My middle name is Victoria. That means my I have victory in my name. Hello. So not just in my DNA and not just in my, my purpose and, and manifesting in the earth. I got victory because it's my name. Glory to God. So my battle cry is, devil, use a lie. And I bind and rebuke you in the name of Jesus because I have victory. The Lord will, will give you to me and I'm going to crush your head with my heel. Like it says in Genesis three, because God promised it. I have the victory. And so this makes me think of um, another, um, another story. Um, as I paraphrase this story, I want you to go to second Kings chapter six in your Bible, second Kings chapter six, because here's another situation where a person didn't see things the right way. And so, uh, you know, God had to help that person see that victory was already there. But as I, as you go there, I'm thinking about, um, a man, that's not in this particular text at this time, but a man in the Bible uh, in First Samuel uh, around the uh, 13th on, but in this particular ep- uh, moment, it's the 16th chapter, I believe, uh, a man named David, where David had to face Goliath. 
And he had to make a decision while he faced Goliath. He had to make a decision that says, um, I know that God's going to give me victory. I know that this is not going to end in defeat. I'm sorry, that's 1 Samuel 17. David had to make a decision to say, even though, because um, just really quickly about this story with uh, in 1 Samuel 17, David wasn't expecting to go to war. David wasn't expecting to go into a battle. What I mean by that is even though he was going to deliver his family food on the battlefield, he was not expecting to go to war himself. He was only there to be like a delivery service and, and then go back home. But it was on assignment by God. God knew the battle was there. God knew that David was the man to face it. And so when David gets there, you know, all of a sudden, and though there's no coincidence with God, all of a sudden Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, decides to come out and and taunt the Israelites once again. Now, this battle been going on for a while. And Saul, who was the king at the time, wasn't able to defeat it. Actually, they wouldn't even go in to fight the, the the Philistines and Goliath because they were afraid. Here's another situation, another time when the, the Israelites were afraid. And so they saw the problem as too big and God wasn't going to deliver the victory. But it was David who had to come on the scene and say, oh, no, 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 no. This problem is not bigger than my God. My God is bigger than this problem. And so he even says to um to Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You have defied the armies of the living God. You come at me with with sword and, and shield or, or, or um or javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the army of Israel who, who you have defiled or, or defied. He understood something that I'm trying to get you to understand. The battle does not really belong to you. It may seem personal in this moment. It's a person standing in front of David. But David had enough wisdom, enough spiritual insight to realize this is a spiritual battle. And so I don't even really got to fight you. I don't even really got to do nothing because God going to deliver you in my hands. God going to end you because you're a de you are defying God. You're coming against our God. And so I could stand firm in the battle cry that says, I'm about to tear you out. I'm about to knock you smooth out, devil, because God already gave me the victory. And so David had the same audacity that I'm telling you to have today. See it differently. See whatever you're facing, whatever problem or challenge you have. See it differently, knowing that God got your back. There's a whole army standing behind you. God's saying you got to see it the right way. You too busy focusing on how big the giant is in front of you. Open your eyes to see who's behind you. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Part of the power is in you, but also there's a whole army of heaven's angels backing you. And so 2 Kings um, chapter 6, starting at the 8th verse, 
reads as such. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, the prophet, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram, Aram excuse me, became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It, it, it is not us, my lord the king, when the officer replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, he tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go out and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround, surround the city. When the servant of the man of God, so basically Elisha's servant, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were the troops that he saw, horses and chariots everywhere. So basically fearful, he cries out to Elisha, Oh, sir, what will we do now? Elisha replied, Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Continuing on, as the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them blindly to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, now open their eyes, let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raider stayed away from the land of Israel. Baby, God can pay back your enemy better than you can. And turn it so that you ain't got to face the enemy ever again. You got to see it the right way. Get your battle cry up today and see it the right way, knowing that God and a whole host of, 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 of heaven's army of chariots and, and horses of fire are backing you. God said, I'm jumping up in this thing. You ain't got to worry. You ain't got to be afraid. I got you. Don't let the enemy lie to you anymore and say that this problem is too big for God. You have to be able to say back to the enemy's lies. No, my God is bigger than this problem. And so my battle cry is going to be, I'm going to stand in faith. And so three things before we go, three ways to stand firm in faith. Number one, make a decision to obey. Everything starts with a decision. 
choosing this day whom you will serve and knowing that you will serve God says, I'm going to stand firm in my faith and obey God. I'm going to trust and obey God that his promises will not return to him void. He promised me victory. I'm going to obey that victory is mine. I'm going to stand in faith knowing that it is. If God gives you strategy on how to overcome that problem, obey to do it. Make the decision to obey. That's number one. Number two, move in the direction God is showing you. And so whether it be God telling you to stand and see that like the walls of Jericho, that the walls will come crashing down, then do it. If God says march around it, then march around it. If God says pray about that thing, pray about that thing. If God says like the children of Israel moving into Canaan, they promise now, as I read in Numbers 14, that just believe that I have it for you. Then just believe that he has it for you. Move in the direction God is showing you to move. And then the third thing, stand and deliver. Stand, deliver your faith. Stand and believe that God's going to make a way out of no way. Stand and deliver, meaning I'm going to, I'm going to choose to deliver my weary heart, the promises of God. And so I pray today's message stirred your faith, gave you something to think about, and that um, it gave some strategy as well on how to face the warfare in your life. You're not alone. You got to see it the right way. You're not alone. It's not um, taking God by surprise that the warfare is happening in your life. This is why he's giving you strategy through the Trigger Wars series. Go back and listen to other episodes if you missed them. Because God has a bunch of nuggets of wisdom in this series just for you to help you in whatever you're going through. He doesn't want you to get defeated by the enemy. He wants you to defeat the enemy knowing that heaven is backing you. Get your battle cry right. See your situation the right way knowing that God is for you and not against you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give his shalom. Give you his peace. Take care. Bye now.